Uh, we're going to start this new year off with a new sermon series entitled, uh, you know, Starting Over. And today we're going to talk about starting over with a new focus. Oftentimes uh, we start uh, a new year out by thinking about some dramatic wholesale changes we want to make in our life. And we make resolutions. Maybe you've made some New Year's resolutions. If you have, you're not alone. 45% of Americans typically set New Year's resolutions. Interesting thing is that only 8% are successful in carrying out, holding to their resolutions. You know, it takes 21 days to make a habit become a part of your lifestyle. So this is day, what, seven? If you've made some resolutions, hang in there. You get to day 21, it gets easier because it's more part of your life. In fact, research tells us that the best way to make resolutions is to basically have about three that are very specific and that you're able better to to adhere to those and make them very specific so that you can uh, uh, better um, keep up with your resolutions and follow through with that. Now, where do we tend to make resolutions? What kind of things do we tend to focus upon? Well, uh, here's what research says. The top four resolutions. Number one is related to self-improvement, things like education or something to uh, help you improve in your career. Second is resolutions are related to weight, and most of it's not gaining weight. It's trying to get weight off. Uh, third is resolutions related to money. How are you going to handle your money? And I hope if you've made anything about that, maybe you're going to be a better steward and be faithful managing what God brings into your life and giving for his glory. And then the resolutions made about relationships, bettering relationships at home, at work, and other places. Now, interesting to me, and I guess really not surprising is, that in those top four resolutions we make, there's nothing in there about any kind of spiritual change or transformation in our life. And that's what I want us to focus on today. That's what we're going to be focusing on for about the next five weeks is talking about starting over, making some changes in our life, allowing God to do some things in our life that really need to be done so that we'll be a better person, that we'll be a better believer, we'll be a better uh, Christian, we'll be a better Christ follower, and God's glory will show through our life like never before. So that's what we're talking about. Interesting thing also about research tells us that the best way to really follow through with with um, uh, meeting your resolutions and, and maintaining them is to have a support group. Uh, that, that's why you can exercise together. You have a weight loss group together, those kinds of things. But if you don't talk about making some spiritual changes, then the church is a great um, a support group that's ready-made to help you in your changes that you want to make in your life of a spiritual nature. The Apostle Paul knew that so many years ago when he wrote so much of the New Testament. And um, one of my favorite letters is the book of Colossians. And I want us to look at chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And it's here that Paul talks about the fact that in this setting of a church, we have the great opportunity to have a new focus with our life on making some changes in our life, committing our life to God in such a way that we look at Him in a different way, we focus on Him in such a way that He is able to make a change in our life. Now listen to what Paul writes, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 10. Paul says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. That talks about where we are now. We're raised. Our position in Christ is that we're raised with him. He says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now listen to this phrase. I love this verse. When Christ, who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I love that phrase. You might want to underline it, circle it, 
Make a notation there. Christ who is your life. Christ is our life. That's a very powerful way of saying that we live and breathe and everything that we do is in Christ. So then Paul talks about this. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Now, the Apostle Paul is talking there, writing to the Colossian Christians and writing to us today as we read these words about where our focus should be if we want to make some radical changes in our life and start over in our walk with Christ. And a great time to do it is right now at the beginning of a new year. And there are two very powerful things that he says that we need to do right off the bat if we want to have a new focus for our life. First thing is, he says, we need to set our hearts above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then he says, we're to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. What Paul is talking about is a new affection and a new determination. When he tells us to set our heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, he's talking about from the heart, the emotion, the things that we love, the things that we cherish, the things that we care about. They should be things that are above, in the kingdom of God, seated where Christ is seated. That's where our affection should be. And we're reminded over and over through the Bible that we are not citizens of this world. We're aliens and strangers. Our citizenship is in heaven, and that's where our hearts should be, longing for that place where we go when our, when, for our earth, heavenly citizenship there in heaven. So that's our affection. Then he talks about a new determination. And that's talking about set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And that's talking about the seed of our intellect, our thinking process, our thought process, how we begin to shape our view of the world. And, and if we shape our view of the world by setting our minds on things above, We're setting our minds on the kingdom of God, and we're beginning to establish a Christian worldview, a kingdom worldview. And so Paul says, set your heart and set your minds on things above, a new affection and a new determination. Bottom line is, he's calling us to live life as a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ with a new focus for a new year. That's what we're talking about today. Now, To do that, he's saying your head and your heart have to be focused in the same things. Where your affection is and where your thought process is, that those things will work together to create a focus that is steadfast and secure on Jesus Christ, who is your life. Now, if we look at the text, I think there are three things that Paul points out to us that we need to pay attention to if we set this new focus and we want to start over with a deeper walk with Christ and live for the glory of God. First thing he says to us is, is that we need to let go of the past in our life. You just need to let go of the sins of the past. You know, sometimes we have a tendency to hang on to the past. And we let the old way that we lived get in our way of living 
the new life that we're supposed to live in Christ. See, and only when we make a full commitment of our life to Jesus Christ and allow him to be both Savior and Lord of our life can we do what Paul tells us to do, and that is to set our minds and our hearts on the things of the kingdom of God. You see, that means that Jesus can't just be something else we add to our life or to our value system, but we have to make Jesus, we have to allow Jesus to be both Savior and Lord, having absolute control over our life, being our Savior, forgiving our sins, bringing us out of the kingdom, the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light, raising us from the dead spiritually, and seating us on high with, with Jesus Christ. And that's the change that has to take place in our life. And then the commitment comes to be focused on him with our heart and with our mind. And Paul emphasizes so many times in this letter alone uh, about our position in Christ. And he talks about the fact that you died with Christ in in verse 2, chapter 2, verse 20. Verse 1 of this chapter, he says, you've been raised with Christ. Verse 3, he says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And then he talks to us about some of the things we have to do about putting the sins of the past behind us. He says, put to death whatever belongs to the earthly nature. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things. Bottom line, Paul is saying, if you're going to have a new focus for your life as a believer in Jesus Christ, you've got to put the sins of the past behind you. You've got to let go of them. You've got to get rid of them. Let go of them. You can't bring them with you into the new life you're living in Christ. I like what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now notice what the writer of Hebrews is calling us to do. He's calling us to persevere and to move forward. And to do that, he says... We have to throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. That means we've got to let go of the sins of the past. We've got to get rid of that and leave it alone. In the first century when Paul would write these words, when runners would come to compete in athletic competition, they would come in long flowing robes of beautiful different colors. But when they approached the starting line for the race, they would take off those robes and they would cast them aside. So that they would not be hindered by that robe as they ran the race. In fact, history tells us that some of them even ran wearing nothing at all. Paul tells us that that's the way that we should live our life in in terms of sin. That we should discard anything that would hinder us in focusing our life on Jesus Christ. So if we want a new focus for the new year... The writer of Hebrews would underscore what Paul's talked to us about here in Colossians, about our focus and where it needs to be. Paul says, set your heart and your mind on things above, kingly things, not worldly things, but of the kingdom of God. The writer of Hebrews says, we focus our eyes on Jesus and we run with endurance, getting rid of any hindrance and the sin. 
So here's what, here's what the writer of Hebrews is really saying to us about this new focus in our life. The way we get past our past is to focus on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. See, to get past your past, you focused on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. What is the finished work that Jesus did? He brought us redemption. He brought us salvation. He brought us forgiveness from our sins. And Paul puts it in terms of the fact we once were dead, but now we are alive. We've been raised with Christ. We live with Christ. And so we put aside anything that hinders us and the sin that entangles us so that we can focus our life on Jesus Christ. So that raises the question then, what do you need to leave behind? As you move through 2018, what do you need to leave behind? What changes do you need to make? What sins do you need to leave behind? What is it that hinders you that you need to get rid of? That's the first thing that Paul says to us. The second thing he says, if we want a new focus that will bring about the change that we want to experience as a believer in Christ is, is that we have to establish proper priorities for our life. I think that's one of the areas where we struggle. I think it's because we really forget what's really important in life. We forget what Paul says in verse 4, that Christ is your life. And so we have a tendency to set our priorities according to other things rather than having our focus on Christ and understanding that Christ is our life. But when we understand Christ is our life and we establish our priorities based on the simple fact that Christ is our life and he is the very center of our life, then we live with a new focus for our spiritual life. That's the essence of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Haven't you noticed it? That people who are successful in life are people who have their priorities in order? They're successful in business because they have their business priorities in order. They're successful in ministry because they have their ministry priorities in order. They're successful with their family and at home because they have their family and home life prioritized. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the only way to properly prioritize your life is to do so with Jesus Christ at the very center of your life and everything else then focuses around Him. And Paul says, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now that's encouraging words for us. That when Christ appears, if we make him our life, we will appear with him in glory. He is our life. We have to prioritize by him. I love Psalm 37.4. Maybe it's a verse you've committed to memory. Got it written somewhere that you, one of your memory verses. Maybe it's a life verse. Maybe you've got it underscored, circled in your Bible. But it's a very powerful verse. We need to make sure that in this connection of establishing proper priorities, we understand Psalm 37, 4, which says, delight yourself in the Lord. We could paraphrase that by saying, focus your heart and your mind on Christ who is seated above. That's delighting yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. 
Now, we know the Bible teaches us that if we pray with sins confessed and we pray in the name of Jesus and we pray in accordance with the will of Jesus that he will hear and he will grant our request. The difficulty comes in our life that when prayers aren't granted and we say, well, that's the desire of my heart, then what we have is an issue where we haven't prioritized our life according to the fact that Jesus Christ is our life. And we aren't prioritizing our life based upon the fact that our mind and our heart are focused on things in heaven. We've got our priorities out of order. So what do we do? Well, I think there are two things that we do. First is we have to ask God to change our heart. Evidently, if we're not getting what we, we're, we're asking for in the desire of our heart, then the desire of our heart is not the right thing. We're not asking for what God really wants for our life. We have to put away our personal desires. That's focusing our heart above and focus on the desires of God and the things of the kingdom of God. And then the second thing we have to do is we have to ask God for the strength to do right regardless of how we feel. We all know, you know that. There's sometimes that we have to just do things when we don't feel like doing it. You know, it's like marriage, when we're talking about couples getting married, I talked to them about the fact that love is more than a feeling. It's also a commitment. See, if love is a feeling, that's going to fluctuate. One day you're not going to feel like loving your spouse. But if love is a commitment, then you're making a commitment to love until death do you part. There are days, and I admit that all of us, I do as well, We don't feel like doing some things that God calls us to do, right? We don't feel like loving somebody that we don't necessarily like. We don't feel like forgiving when we're called to do that. We don't feel like tithing or whatever it is. We don't feel like sharing the gospel. We don't feel like prioritizing our life around the kingdom. That's why we have to ask God for the strength to do what's right regardless of how we feel. And the only way you can do that is by prioritizing your life around Christ. And the reason for that is that Paul says Christ is your life. So we've got to make the proper priorities in our life. And then the third thing that Paul says to us is we have to understand the destructive power of sin. Now, why would, why would he bring that up? He's already talked about the fact that, that we, we died in Christ and we've been raised in Christ. And he's talked to us about putting the sins of the past behind us. Why does he point this out to us? Well, it's because we're not perfect. We're not going to live a perfect life. And, and we need to make sure we understand the power of sin and its destructiveness. When we get our eyes off of Jesus and put them on self we're going to get in trouble with sin. And Paul mentions several of these kind of sins that we need to pay attention to. Before I get to them and we, and we point those out, I, I want to find, share something with you I, that I discovered in researching this that I think is interesting. And, and that is that men and women struggle with different sins. Did you realize that? Men and women struggle with with different sins in different orders. For you guys, for us guys, here are our top sins. 
lust, gluttony, anger, pride, envy, and greed. Can you identify with that? That, That's where we struggle the most. You ladies, your top sins are only four that were listed. You're better than we are. It's pride, envy, anger, and then lust. Isn't that interesting? But it really makes sense because men and women think differently. Men and women learn differently. Men and women teach differently. That's one reason I think the single, single gender schools have called on out here in, in our district. When I first heard that, I thought, that's the most ridiculous idea in this progressive mindset out here in Richland, too. But then it's pointed out to me, you know, women teach differently than men. I never had a teacher in school until I got to high school. I never had a Sunday school teacher who was a male until I got into college. I, fortunately, we have, we have men who teach in lower levels now, so we, get, we, got a better, we got a better representation with teaching with that. But we go back to this whole concept of what Paul was talking about, about the destructive power of sin, and he lists these things, and some of them are pretty big, and, and you might think, well, I don't have a problem with that, but you'd be honest with, honest with yourself. Paul says in verse 5, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. See, that's the earthly nature, not your kingdom nature. And he talks about sexual immorality. That's any kind of sin outside the context of marriage. And it also, it also in reference to any act that's in defiance of the will of God and the word of God, such as homosexuality. He talks about impurity, and that's simply talking about uncleanliness and dirty-mindedness. You know, all we've been said, get your mind out of the gutter. He talks about lust, and that's an uncontrollable desire to fill one's sex drives. He talks about evil desires, and that's just simply a, a passion to do evil. He talks about greed. That's an uncontrollable desire for, without a, to gain more without, with a total disregard for others. And he said that becomes idolatry. And then Paul moves on to a second list, and it might even hit home a little bit closer. In verse 8 he said, You must rid yourselves of all things such as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. And then he caps it all off by saying, do not lie to each other. So when he's talking about anger, he's talking about a seething anger. When he talks about rage, he's talking about somebody who has an uncontrollable temper that just is an outburst first. That's the first reaction is an outburst of anger. And then rage is, a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is that, that fiery outburst. But then malice is holding a grudge to the point of where you're even willing to not just not forgive somebody, but cause them injury. And slander, of course, is speaking evil against your brother or sister in Christ, filthy language, having a foul mouth. You know, James writes to us and talks to us about the power of the tongue and the mouth, and he says, with it we bless God, and at the same time we curse God. You know, we can do some strange things and say some mean, evil things, and so we have to be careful about that. We've got to get a handle on all of these things. We have to understand the destructive power of sin in our life if we really want a new life and a new focus. And Paul tells us why. He says, because of these things, that's these things he's pointed out, the wrath of God is coming. That's talking about judgment. And we will be judged for our sins. And then he reminds us of the fact that you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. So here's the problem about not 
not understanding or valuing how dangerous sin can be. See, maybe before Christmas came, let's say you tried a diet and you were kind of carefully watching what you ate. You wanted to lose some weight, you wanted to eat a little bit healthier. And then comes Christmas and there are Christmas cookies and there are cakes and pies and all kinds of good things. And so you say, I'll just have a little bite of this and I'll take a small piece of this and I'll have a little bit of this. Anybody do that? And you get that taste of sugar in your system and then what happens? Then you want a little bit more. And you want a little bit more. And then you want a little bit more things like pizza and ice cream and potato chips and all that kinds of stuff, you see. And and what Paul is admonishing us is that if we're not careful about sin and we let it creep into our life, it will manifest itself. And we will not live for the glory of God because sin will take over in our life. But he reminds us of the fact that you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. So how do you get past these sins? We go back to what the writer of Hebrews says. We focus on Jesus Christ and we get past the past in our life by focusing upon the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He died for our sins. We commit our life to him. Our sins are forgiven. We're a new person. We've been brought from death into life. We've been raised with Christ. And we focus on Christ. And we live this new life. So here we are beginning of a new year. Opportunity to start over. Make some changes in your life. Allow God to have total control of your life and bring about the changes that you want. Paul says you focus on Christ, you get rid of the sins of the past, you prioritize your life with your heart and your mind focused on the things of God, and you realize how dangerous sin can be, and you deal with it through the power of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for you on the cross. And when you do that, you've got your life focused, and you've got it prioritized, and God can do wonderful things in your life in the days to come. Let's do that. Father, thank you for this new year. And the first Sunday in this new year, we can focus on your word and the challenge that you give to us about developing a new focus for our life. Help us to do that as we focus on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross so that we can put away any hindrance, put away all the sin that would entangle us, and we can run with with endurance the race that you put before us with a new focus and with a new intent, a new person, In Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. And it's his name and for his glory that I pray and call for decisions. Amen.